0: I want to share something that y'all may be very familiar with, a phrase in the Bible. And it goes like this. <clears throat> this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. How many of y'all have heard that before? Okay, you've heard it. Some of y'all may have used it as a greeting. You know, normally at home, here's what you do. Hey, how you doing? But for some reason, when we get into this church building, our, our words become different, Right? You know what I mean? It's, hey, brother, how are you? This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Some of us, though, remember uh, in the 90s when we had, you know, that crazy hip uh, music. And we started, you know, this is the day. This, come on, you know. That, that, Lord. Okay, you know where I'm going with that. Okay, we've heard the songs. We, we've said the lines. But is it possible that this verse has a way deeper, greater meaning than we think. My hope is, and I believe it's God's desire, that after today you will never see this verse the same again. It happened to me about 20 years ago. I was in a Bible College Seminary, and one of my professors, Dr. Greg Harris, he now speaks at the Master's Seminary in uh, California, and he spoke on this passage before, as a class, we partook the Lord's Supper. It wrecked me. I pray the same for you. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 21. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to spend the bulk of our time there. We'll hop on over to uh, one of the Psalms and then to second, or First Peter uh, as well. But we'll start there. As you're turning there, let me give you a little background of what's going on. All right, This is the final week of Jesus. This is Palm Sunday, which is what today is in our calendar. Palm Sunday. All right. So Jesus uh, tells his disciples to go into town and to get a donkey that has never been ridden before and to bring it back to them. Well, after a bit of conversation, we're going to pick up in verse 7. Matthew 21 verse 7 says this. And they brought the donkey and the colt, or yeah, the donkey and the colt, and put on them their cloaks. And Jesus sat on them. Listen, most of the crowd, most of the crowd, spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before Jesus, and that followed him, were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Here's what the crowd just, just displayed, alright? The, cl- the crowd cried Hosanna. The word Hosanna, you might want to write this in your Bible notes or whatever. Hosanna means save now. It's a plead, Hosanna means save now. Save us, son of David. The crowd cried, Hosanna. Then the crowd called Jesus the son of David. Think about that. They're looking at Jesus, laying palm branches in their cloaks. They're looking at Jesus and they're saying, save us now, son of David. Who in the world does this crowd think Jesus is? Well, it's in their confession. He who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what it says. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The people, that crowd right there, just confessed that Jesus was the Messiah. The anointed one of God. The one that they were longing for. The one that they were hoping for. And listen, this crowd, this should be on they may not have been as educated as the religious priests... But they were smart enough to recognize Israel's anointed one. And listen, the fruit of their faith, the fruit of their longing, the true Messiah, was revealed to them on that day. Hosanna in the highest. Many celebrated. Many put down uh, palm branches and cloaks. But some did not. The Pharisees, right? The Pharisees didn't. You could even see more of this in Mark, uh, Luke, and John's gospel as well. There were some Pharisees that did not like what was going on. Some of them said, Jesus, tell your people to stop. My goodness, they're blaspheming. And he says, if I don't, who's going to cry out? The rocks. All right? Others were getting upset in John's gospel. And they were like, man, Jesus is taking our spotlight away. This is not fun. We need to do something about him. Well, if you're in uh, Matthew 21, I hope you are, let's look uh, a few verses uh, down. You see, two days later, after this event, Jesus returned to the temple and he taught. Now, the re- religious leaders were there and they thought this was a great opportunity to trap him. So, at this point, they questioned Jesus' authority. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? And what they were really doing is they were challenging his identity. Because the people thought he was Messiah. Messiah. So they were challenging his authority, which meant, by default, his identity. So here's how Jesus responds with a parable like this. In Matthew 21, verse 33, listen to what Jesus says. And, and, and really try to think of yourself as a Pharisee in this story. It's going to make this story kind of come alive. There was a master of the house, Jesus said, who planted a vineyard. And he put a fence around it and he dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to the tenants. And then he went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, here's what he did. He sent, he sent servants to the tenants to go get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and they beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first. And they did the same. Finally, the master sent his son saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and then we can have his inheritance. And so they took the son, they threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Okay, This is a parable, a story of a spiritual reality. Okay, God has come as great creator. He came to uh, do his beautiful work of creation over all things. And then he invites mankind to join in his goodness. But listen, as God gives you gifts, God also uh, wants the fruit of that. Okay, He wants to be able to rejoice with you as you grow. He doesn't want us to be unfruitful people. He wants you to have a life worth living. He wants to give you a reason and a purpose for life. And so guess what? God knew that the tenants weren't doing what they were supposed to. So the tenants, uh, so the, the master sent um, others to come. And you know who these others were? Prophets. To tell them, listen, let's, let's get right with God. And you know what the people of God did? They murdered them. They beat them. They kicked them away. And then ultimately, the master sends the son. And the son was taking their spotlight away. They wanted what was only reserved for the son. So they killed him. All right, let's go back to our story. Jesus says this When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will the owner do to these tenants? Check out the response of the Pharisees. This is so crucial. Especially to us who have this mindset about God that He can only be one thing and and not another. Here's what I mean by that. God can only be love and not righteous. He can only be kind and gentle and not uh, wrathful or not uh, taking on discipline and punishment for those who reject Him. I've said this before and I'm going to keep saying this. The opposite of love is not hate. Because if you truly love then you are going to have, hopefully, a righteous hate. Okay? If you love your family, you will hate those who try to destroy your family, right? The opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy. It's, I don't care. I don't care what happens to you. God is full of love. So if he's full of love, he's going to be full of justice. And we get that. The Pharisees get that. Look what happened. He just shared a story about a man who gave these these tenants great things, but he expected a reward from it. He brought his own son, and they killed his son. Listen to how they responded. Jesus said, what do you think the vineyard owner should do? Look at verse 41. The Pharisees said this. He will put those wretches to a miserable death, And let out the vineyard to other tenants who will then give him the fruits in their seasons. So these Pharisees were were having righteous anger over what has taken place in this story. Yay! Go Pharisees! The problem is, they didn't realize that Jesus was talking about them. Look at verse 42. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? And now he ties the sun to the stone. He says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, the most important stone, the the foundational stone. Everything that follows is to be from the example of this precious stone. Again, he said, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. See that? He just connected the Pharisees to those wicked tenets. Therefore, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. So, this very stone is going to be a stumbling block to many people. And when it falls on anyone, it'll crush them. Then, or yeah, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds. Because they held him to be a prophet. Here's what Jesus basically said to the the religious leaders. He said, you are killing the son of God. You are rejecting the stone. He says, quit just browsing over the Bible. Read the scriptures. See God's heart in it. Listen, you guys are fully educated in the scriptures and you have zero understanding. Two days ago, the crowd, they knew. They didn't have the the, the degrees that you have, okay? They didn't have uh, as much time of the day to study God's word as you have and they see who I am. And you being so knowledgeable, you have zero understanding. You have knowledge of the facts, but you are producing no fruit, And then it's crazy. He says, in your sin, you're fulfilling Scripture, and God's going to be glorified, but you're going to be condemned. That is some tough language. It was so tough, they got mad. (laughs) Go figure. The, The Pharisees got mad at Jesus for telling the truth. Huh. Did you think that was coming? Here's what they wanted. They wanted Jesus dead. Their unrighteous anger boiled over. Their unrighteous anger boiled over. And there were only two reasons... Two reasons why they didn't take Jesus right there at that moment. Number one, if you read on, they feared the crowds. And number two, uh uh-oh, they're righteous Pharisees. And so what a righteous Pharisee does is outwardly he wants to look good in front of the people. So here's what they do. We'll take care of them after the tradition of Passover. So the reason they didn't take Jesus right there is because they feared the crowds... And they had to prepare for their religious ceremony called Passover. This is on Tuesday. Two days later, here's what takes place. These same Jewish leaders, the same ones that want to kill Jesus, they would go home and they would prepare a lamb. And then they would tell the story of Passover to their kids. And it would go something like this. God is about to judge Egypt. 400 years, Israel was kept in bondage and in slavery. And God was about to show Egypt, Israel, and all the world that there is one true God. And by doing so, he's going to judge Egypt and all of those who do not believe in him. So God told his people, Find the best lamb that you can find. And so take the blood, or kill it, and then take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost, uh, the door frame of the house. Okay, so it's basically as you go into the house, in and out of the house, there's a covering that'll be over you of an innocent lamb. And that night the death angel comes and he goes into your neighborhood. And when he sees your house, he will look for the blood. And if blood is on the door, the scripture says he will pass over that house. Listen, that took great faith in God to do this. Think about it. If God didn't come through and it was just a normal night, you'd look kind of silly, wouldn't you? I mean, you got weird blood on your door. They'd probably think you were in the witchcraft or something really weird like that. So it took great faith in God to do this. They had to believe this, that God would be willing to accept the blood of an innocent, spotless lamb in order for them to be saved, in order for the death angel to pass over their house. This obedience to God was a sign of their faith in God's willingness and ability to forgive sins. This was the only way to escape the plague of death. And so, children, every year, here's what we do. We take a lamb and we celebrate what God did for Israel. And that he provided the saving from physical slavery. For after Passover, God's people were free. But that's not it. It's also in anticipation. One day Messiah is going to come. And he is going to free us spiritually. Back to the Pharisees. Imagine that night in the Pharisees' house. They do the Passover. They get done with this holy meal. They've got other things on their mind, don't they? So they're trying to rush out of the house and capture Jesus. And just when they get to the door, the wife says, honey, wait, you forgot something. What do you mean? We had the lamb, we had the bitter herbs, we, we, we said some scripture. No, 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 no. It's tradition for us to sing the Hillel Psalms, the praise Psalms, which is Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. You can't leave now. He's like, absolutely, you're right. Let's gather the kids together. Kids, let's come together and to sing the great hymns of our faith as we're longing and expecting our great king. And as they sing the songs, the last verses are found in Psalm 118, verse 22 to 29. Every Pharisee that night sang these words. Psalm 118, verse 22 to 29. The psalmist says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us. Hosanna, we pray. Oh Lord, oh Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. So bind the festival or the festival sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures Forever. And then these Pharisees let go of their children's and their spouses' hands. And in their ignorance, in their disobedience, and in their unbelief, the leaders of Israel reject the stone. Church, what I just shared with you is good news. Very good news. Let's look at these verses one by one. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The very rejected stone is the most important. Okay, they were so focused on rules and regulations, basically they were, they were building their church with pebbles. Pebbles that would hold zero foundation. It would hold no hope in their life because no matter how good they thought their foundation was, it was made by hands and it was full of sin because everything that we do outside of God is sin. They rejected the one who they were supposed to honor. Precious to God are those who trust in the cornerstone. What else does it say? It says, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is why it's good news. Listen, what happened to Jesus was not a heavenly accident. I'm going to go even further than that. God's, what happened during this story of Jesus' life was not plan B. God didn't just allow this to happen. The death of His Son. He ordained it. He wanted to do this. The Scripture says, Jesus himself said that he, when he looked at the cross, he found joy in it. Why? Because of what it would accomplish for you and for me. Listen to what it says. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. So the rejection of Jesus and the glorification of him was God's doing. And to us, it is marvelous. It is the best thing that could ever happen to us. Let me keep going. This is the day that the Lord has made. What day is he talking about? Every day? Isn't that how we use this verse? Oh, man. ooh, that hurts. But hey, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm glad. Oh, Sure, you could say that because God is the maker of all things. Yes, no doubt. But this passage is speaking of the day of his rejection. What? This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day, the day of his rejection that the Lord has made. And what are we supposed to do about it? We're supposed to rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, save us, we pray, O Lord. God, thank you for coming. Thank you for being rejected. Oh Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. So the very day of Jesus' Jesus's rejection, his death on a cross, is the greatest day of our lives. Why? Because it is the day that our salvation was purchased now do you get why we call it good friday it what 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 we thought was the most horrific thing to have ever happened that man would kill the son of god no 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 it was all god's doing why so that you and i can become sons and daughters of god by faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, which brings us to the next part. He says, bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures. How long? Forever. So the sacrificial death that Jesus would die for my sin and your sin when he was put on that altar, so to speak, of the cross is a glorious thing for us. It is something that we are to thank God for, not cower in fear. We're to come to God and say thank you every day. Thank you for your great sacrifice because you died. We can live. His sacrificial death ensures that God's steadfast love for you will endure forever. On who? On all who trust in him. So the greatest day in history was the God anointed day that the stone would be rejected. And because of his rejection, you and I have been accepted. Wow. This is the day that the lord has made and i will rejoice and be glad in it hosanna we pray oh lord oh lord we pray give us success blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord i close with this god's call on your life and mine is very very clear i'm going to speak peter's own words go to first peter chapter 2 first peter chapter 2 and listen to peter one of the one of those who was closest to jesus Who heard all that took place. Matter of fact, Peter was the one who gave the most profound uh, proclamation of who Jesus was. Jesus said, who do the people say I am? They gave him all these different things that people are gossiping about Jesus. And he says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, what you just said there, you just described me perfectly. There's no way you could have figured that out. God did that. And so on that very rock, that very confession, I'm going to build my church. And here's what Peter says in regards to us today. The Pharisees, they blew it. But guess what? God turns blown things and make them amazing. Amazing grace because of the rejected stone. But the message is for you and I today as we approach the Lord's Supper. It was a joy. Jesus said, I desired with great desire to have this meal with you. He desired it. Because he knew that it was going to represent the day of his rejection and our acceptance. So here's what Peter says to us today. Not the Pharisees in the first century, but to us today. The call of God is clear. Number one. Come to the living stone. 1 Peter 2 verse 1 and 5 says this. So church, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. That by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to this living stone. Look at what he says. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, who is Jesus, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The call of God for your life today Is to come to the stone. Stop rejecting the stone. Every time you you, you move away that stone. You trip on it. The scripture says. That it is a scandal on it. Scandalous. And here's what. That's what a stumbling block means in the Greek. It is a scandal. Because here's the problem with us. We want to make it our way. Okay. We want to be successful our own way. Okay, Some of us don't even want our parents' help. Some of us want too much of our parents' help. But that's another message. Okay, Some of us want to do it ourselves and we don't want God to be a part of it at all. So that maybe someday at the end of our life, we can boast in front of God. But the stumbling block of the good news of Christ is this. You can't do it. And He has done it for you. All you have to do is by faith and humility... Receive his finished work on the cross on your behalf. If you were to call upon Jesus to save you from your guilt, sin, shame, past, present, and future, he is not just willing. He's already done it for you. You just have to receive it. He did it on that very day that we rejoice about. He did it already. But it's a gift that must be received. So I urge you, I call upon you, come to the living stone. And to those who have, those who have come, honor Christ by belief in Him. Look at what Peter goes on to say. For it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. No longer a stumbling block. He's the very anchor of your soul. So then look what he says. So the honor is for you who believe. But to those who do not believe, those who still reject the stone, that stone that the builders reject has become the cornerstone. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they, here it comes, Because they disobey the word as they were destined to. We have a choice today. We have a choice. Obey the word. You know what the word is? Remember we talked about it in John 6? What is the good works that we must do to have a right relationship with God? Jesus said, believe on the one who he sent. You have a choice today. Receive God the stone of offense, receive receive Jesus Christ, who in open humility and shame died, the death you and I deserved, so that if we believe in him, we could live the life that really only he deserves in heaven. Or, you can choose, like Peter said, you can choose to end in disbelief, stumble and fall, and for all eternity, and never be able to get back up again. It's your choice. Let's pray. Father, as we approach Lord's Supper, what an awesome opportunity for us to come to the living stone, to put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, but come to you who is good in all things and in all ways. You're good. God, my prayer that in this very moment, that these steps in front of the stage become so much more. They become an altar that we confess sin, that we, that we uh, reject those things that you want us to reject in our lives and we would receive again anew and afresh the living stone of Christ. Father God, my prayer is that if someone has recognized today that they have rejected you over and over again, but outwardly they may have done good religious things just like the Pharisees, God, that today that they would reject you no more. God, that they would come to saving faith in Christ. That they would allow you to be the cornerstone of their life, not just something on the back burner. That you would be their hope. You, that, they, that you would be their breath. That you would be their life. That you would be their way. You'd be their everything. God, please prepare every one of us who are about to take the Lord's Supper. Examine our hearts to see if we're in the faith. Examine our attitudes and actions to see if we have wandered, if we have strayed from the kindness that brought us to salvation into unforgiveness and bitterness and apathy. God, may this very moment, even before we take the Lord's Supper, be a holy moment. As we become right with you again and God you have given us the method you have given us the path on how to be right with you again you said if we confess our sins you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so God at this very moment help us to be wise to confess and receive for the honor of your name we pray in Jesus name